Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get spoiled. We may need to pause briefly at 20 to 10 because I need to put a boots order in before 10 p.m. My goodness. <laughs> okay. I've got my priorities correct. I mean, yeah, I don't blame me. Boots is important. Oh, I can't stop thinking about Ariana Grande. <laughs> it's tomorrow. No one. Ariana Grande's boyfriend. I can't stop thinking about Ariana Grande. Are we ready? No, I've had too much milk today. Welcome to the Who Watch podcast, where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. He's David, I'm Beth, we're two huge Doctor Who fans, and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with the Dalek Invasion of Earth, the 10th ever Doctor Who story! Um, before we begin, please do remember to subscribe and follow us on the socials. You can find us on at Who Watch Podcast, and you can email us your thoughts on the story or our episodes at, and this will be fun to do, the Who Watch Podcast. The who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't well, even finish. I did, I did. Okay. Sure. Uh, plus, if you're on Spotify, you can also let us know your thoughts via the Q&A buttons. Ooh. If you're enjoying our travels through time and space, please do give us a rating on your podcast provider or tell your friends or tweet about us. Spread the word of the Who Watch podcast. We've had a nice review somewhere and I can't, I can't, I can't, it's not appearing on the app of Apple, but it is appearing on the Apple podcast website and it's great and it's a five star review. Oh, great. It's from Swamp Fortress. Hi, Hi Swamp, Swamp Fortress. Fortress. Hi. Hi. They left this on the 19th of December, so thank you very much. It's very kind of you. They say, what a treat this podcast is. I've recently started a watch-through of all of Classic Talk 2 in honour of the 60th anniversary. There are plenty of podcasts out there for the new series. We know. We, we, we've been battling. Uh, we but know. for Classic Series and in order, it was few and far between. Luckily, I found this podcast and it's everything I'm looking for. The hosts have been a great interplay and are knowledgeable about the franchise. That's <laughs> because we read time this week, you mate. There is excellent episode-by-episode episode discussion, <laughs> trivia, and behind-the-scenes detail. And each episode is capped off by some fun segments such as favourite background character. I tore through the release episodes in one day and can't wait for more. Oh, well, I'm happy we're doing oh my season God. two from Fortress. That's the latest review I think we've ever had. That is my favourite review of anything I've ever done. Don? 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 <laughs> Sweat Northern. Sweat Northern. Northern. Um, <laughs> but I do want to say, David, that I have not lived, breathed and bathed Doctor Who for the last... 20 years of my life for you to just tell me that it's just TARDIS wiki <laughs> to be fair I was talking about I... me no. <laughs> you I know expert. ways you much me, about this moral. show <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a book come on but I do use she, TARDIS wiki she quite often she literally wrote the book which you can still buy uh, in our bio if oh, you go to our link tree it's really really good yeah I mean Doctor Who is literally my job now so like I should I hope I know it. I hope I know it. <laughs> I hope I hope so too, for the sake of the entire fandom and for your DMs. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, um, Swamp Fortress. That's like the nicest review I think we've ever had. Yeah, thank you, Swamp Fortress. This week's adventure is a six-part story again set on Earth, but this time it's far into the future and there's lots to it, so strap in. This story begins with a strange man in a helmet stumbling towards the Thames in London where he pulls off his weird headgear and drowns himself. The TARDIS materialises by the river just afterwards. Ian and Barbara think they may have finally made it home, but the Doctor thinks they're actually at some point in the future. Susan is excited to explore and climbs up a wall, but ends up falling and twisting her bloody ankle. 
Silly Susan. The fall causes a bridge to collapse onto the TARDIS, stopping the crew from getting back inside. It's always something. The Doctor and Ian discover a warehouse where they find a calendar for the year 2164, confirming the Doctor's suspicions. While using the River Thames to tend to Susan's ankle, which is a bit strange in my opinion because you don't know how many eels or grabs of cocaine are going to be in that water, Barbara happens upon a dead body. When she returns to Susan, she finds a man who tells her to follow him. Susan has gone with his pal Tyler, and if she doesn't follow, she'll end up dead. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Ian discover another body wearing the same helmet as the guy that Barbara found. They see that he's been stabbed to death. Not exactly the first thing you want to discover when you land somewhere. They decide to head back to Babs and Susan and are shocked to see a flying saucer hovering over London. Barbara follows her new friend to a disused underground station where she is reunited with Susan. There they meet David, great name, and Dortmund, who are part of some kind of resistance against the helmeted men and the flying saucers. Brave David goes to find Ian and the Doctor while Susan and Barbara are taken to get to work. Poor Barbara is thrown straight in at the cooking. The Doctor and Ian return to the TARDIS and wonder if a plague has emptied London. They find themselves surrounded by the helmeted robo men and try to run for it, but they turn around and see a familiar villain rising from the Thames. It's a Dalek. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> Daleks order that Ian and the Doctor be brought to the Chelsea heliport, warning the Doctor they have already conquered the Earth and there is no point in resisting. Susan and Barbara then meet a feisty lady named Jenny who helps Susan out with her ankle while Barbara does the food prep. We love a girl squad. Dotnam is convinced his new bond could shatter the Dalek casings and they discuss their plan of attack on the deadly pepper pots. The Doctor says that their previous encounter with the Daleks, remember that in season one, was millions of years in the future. They are ushered alongside other prisoners into a saucer while one tries to escape and gets exterminated. David explains to Babs and Susan that the Daleks turn some of their human prisoners into robomen, but that the transfer is so unstable it causes them to go mad and kill themselves. He says no humans are returned from the Dalek sources once inside. The Resistance plan their assault on the Daleks and Barbara suggests that they use the robomen helmets as a disguise to get close enough. The Doc, don't call me the Doc, and Ian are shoved in a cell with a man named Craddock, who... Like Fanny, Fanny Craddock, with a man called Fanny Craddock, who explains that the Daleks landed a decade ago after meteorites brought a plague to Earth. Some humans became robomen and others were murdered or sent to the mining areas in Bedfordshire. He doesn't know what they're exactly mining for. Next, the Doctor figures out a device in the cell that he realises is the key to the door, which has a light-activated trigger. He sets them free, but they're immediately recaptured, and the Doctor is taken away to be transformed into a Roboman! The fake Resistance Robomen approach the Daleks for their attack and end up boarding the saucer as the Doctor is about to be transferred, rescuing him from his terrible fate. They escape with the prisoners, but the bombs are not working. Babs ends up injured, men are dying all over the shop, and Ian is stuck on the saucer. It's chaos! It's chaos! Tyler has lost the Doctor and returns to the base to say that he's going to search for survivors and then leave London. Dortmund, Jenny and Barbara head off to the Civic Transport Museum to continue working on the bombs. Risky. The Supreme Dalek orders the rest of them to destroy London and head towards their mining base in Bedfordshire, and the saucer takes off with Ian still on it. There, he makes a friend named Larry who is looking for his brother. Craddock has turned into a robo-man and then electrocuted. It's all very high stakes. Meanwhile, David and Susan are getting cosy while hiding from the Daleks, and she even suggests that he could accompany the TARDIS team on their travels. He says that he would never leave Earth as he cannot abandon it. They hear a noise and find that Baker is carrying the Doctor towards them and they finally reunite. And then Baker goes off and gets killed by a Dalek. Our new fave Jenny, Babs and Dortmund get to the museum and he comes up with a new bomb formula and then sacrifices himself to test the new bomb going outside towards the Daleks and lobbing one at them. He's exterminated and the bomb doesn't leave a mark. Barbara and Jenny are devastated and make their escape. Back inside the saucer, Larry tells Ian that he thinks the Daleks are mining to extract the core of the Earth. Ian and Larry then leave the saucer once it's landed by going off down the disposal chute. The Doctor, David and Susan decide to make their way north, but not before the two robo-men place a firebomb next to them. David and Susan defuse the bomb while the Doctor is passed out from the drama. Barbara and Jenny fix up a lorry and begin driving to Bedfordshire. Ian and Larry have already made it there, where they meet some Dalek slaves who tell them London has been destroyed. Babs quite literally drives through a sea of Daleks, knocking them all over the place, making their lorry a target. They manage to jump out just before the Dalek saucer destroys their vehicle. Susan and David leave the Doctor and vow to return to him later. They go down into the sewers where they discover Tyler, who informs them that alligators escaped from London Zoo and are now inhabiting the sewers. Susan and David discuss the idea of rebuilding Earth together after everything is over. 
Foreshadowing. After a quick ladder slash alligator scare, they find their way out and back to the surface. Back in Bedfordshire, Ian and Larry bump into a nasty creature called the Slither. They jump into a mining basket suspended above a pit and Ian literally hits the Slither with a rock until it falls to its death. They decide to chill in the bucket for safety, but it begins descending before they can get out. Robo men pursue the Doctor and friends back into the sewers and Tyler and David ambush them, managing to keep them away. Jenny and Barbara find a shack with two mad women inside who dob them both into the Daleks in exchange for food. Ian and Larry try to blend in with the workers as they are taken down into the mine. Larry finally finds his brother who has sadly been turned into a robo-man. He tries to make him remember who he is but the brothers fight and both end up dead. The workers take this opportunity to find their freedom. While this devastation is going on, Susan and David are flirting and wrestling but having a cheeky snog. The Doctor and Tyler interrupt them, lol. And the Doctor deduces that the Daleks are looking for something deep beneath the earth. Ian notices that Jenny and Barbara have been brought to the mine. Barbara is super clever and says that they must go to the Dalek control room because that is what the Doctor would do. She comes up with a plan and tells the Daleks that the rebels are planning to attack and that she needs to see the big Dalek boss and let him know. The Daleks have nearly made it to the outer crust of the core. Mmm, delicious. They just have to set up their little bomb to explode the core. Once it's all been destroyed, they will replace it with a power system that will let the Daleks pilot the earth wherever they want to go. Massive yikes, Larry was right. R.I.P. Larry. Ian is a bit silly and finds a hiding place, not realising that this is the very shell of the bomb that the Daleks are sending into the core of the Earth. They seal him in and he heads down towards his fate. But he manages to mess about with the wires and stop it from moving. He climbs out via a rope and the Daleks spot him and sever it. He does a big fall down the shaft. Ouch. Babs and Jenny make it to the control room and Barbara has at it. She realises the Roma men take their order from the microphone and that she could override the Daleks if she got to it. She gets interrogated by the black Dalek, why it got to be black, and uses her history buff knowledge to make up a fake mutiny. She fails at her plan and she and Jenny are captured and left to die when the bomb explodes. The Doctor, Susan and David have made it to the mine and Susan and Dave go to blow up an aerial. Ian manages to block the path of the bomb using some spars, the Daleks none the wiser. Once the Doctor and Tyler get to the control room, they free Jenny and Barbara while David and Susan immobilise the Daleks. Barbara and the Doctor use the microphone to tell the Robo-Men to turn on the Daleks and the workers and the Robo-Men revolt and push their way out of the mine. Ian finally reunites with his friends and they realise the bomb will still explode. It just won't penetrate the Earth's core. Once they're all safe, the bomb explodes and the mine collapses. It causes a volcanic eruption and the Dalek saucer perishes in the explosion. The invasion is over! Yay! They head back to London where the Resistance helped to uncover the TARDIS. Susan is distraught at the idea of leaving David, but is equally as upset at the thought of leaving the Doctor, saying that she has to look after him. Her new man begs her to stay, telling her that she... Her new man begs her to stay, telling her that he is in love with her. The Doctor, Ian and Barbara enter the TARDIS and the Doctor makes a heart-wrenching decision. He locks Susan out and tells her that she must make a new life with David and that she is a grown woman who should find a home. He tells her that one day he shall come back and then he dematerialises inside his ship. Susan drops the TARDIS key to the ground and heads off towards her new life. She's a grown woman! I'm so (laughs) sad that she's gone! Oh. I'm so upset. I cried. I, I was... I was sat on the bus and I was watching this and I went, those are tears coming down my face. Yeah, I felt very upset. You know when, like, you watch something and it makes you just feel a bit sick? Like, I felt sick with, like... Mm. Like, I was so... Because it, it really... Susan's departure really takes up, like, a good chunk of the last, like, five to ten minutes. Probably not ten minutes, but quite a while of the end of the story. And actually, I think that sometimes in Doctor Who people laugh at classic who and they're like oh it's just so silly and like you know the character development isn't done properly and but like this goodbye is done so well like it's really beautiful the way that it's set up and the way that it ends and the way that it's written um and i think it's such a good piece of television you're right it takes up 15 minutes because the um my shelf explodes and i was like ooh. How much, how much time is left? And I was like, there's like 15 minutes left of the episode. And I thought, they're going to really make this worth it. And they do. Like, the whole thing is worth your time. And I've watched, I've watched that scene out of context so many times. I've seen that kind of, that scene of, of William Hartnell saying, just go forth in all your beliefs. And I've watched it out of context quite, quite a number of times. Watching it now, having watched all of the previous episodes that come before it, I cried because I was like, this is this is such a poignant, really beautiful moment for a character that, I, like, I... We tweeted earlier this week 
that we thought that Susan was underrated. And I actually do think she's underrated as a character and deserved slightly more. And I think that, yeah, when I was sat watching it, I just was like, oh, this is... There's so much more that could have been done with her. And I feel like leaving her where they left her was, was, a, was beautiful and really poignant. But I also felt quite sad that there was like, I felt like I wanted, I wanted so much more of her. Yeah, it really, you're right. I also have watched, so I've watched this story before. I've, I've watched series one and most of series two before. And I've watched this clip, you know, that's a really famous first Doctor speech. He, you know, for those who are maybe not as familiar, he like has this massive speech at the end of the episode saying goodbye to her. It's quite famous in the Doctor Who world. It gets repeated all the time. So you know that speech and you know it's coming but it hits different watching all of the stories in order. Also, like, watching them in order quite regularly. It's not like, you know, I've watched... We're, we're watching it regularly every week. Every week we're watching a new story, so it's, like, really a regular part of our lives. And then having to say goodbye to that character, it felt... It really does feel like losing a friend. And it hurt me just as much as it hurt, you know, saying goodbye to Yaz last year in Power of the Doctor when that aired. Um, and... It's really, really sad. <laughs> I have a couple of things to note about the f the very beginning. Um, first of all, the the so the scene is set very well in the first episode, and the whole six parts feel really huge, really high stakes. It fe it feels like a movie. Like I can see why they adapted this into a movie. Um, at the beginning, after the TARDIS lands and they're outside looking about. The TARDIS windows are, like, caved in. Did you notice that? Someone left those windows open and I noticed. Yeah, someone someone broke the TARDIS there. Um, also, I love how the Doctor immediately is like, oh, I think we're in London. I don't want to boast that I've got us back to London. Like, mate, it took you ten stories to get here, babes. Ten stories. <laughs> and also, you're in 2160-something. <laughs> Don't want to boast, uh, but I think I may have gotten us back to London. It's the wrong year, but I got us here. <laughs> Don't want to boast, but uh, we're 200 years late. <laughs> it's quite dramatic straight away. Um, Susan, like, injures herself straight away. They're, they're finding dead bodies straight away. There's a forbidden to dump bodies in the river poster that implies some sort of plague. Um, it's quite... And also there's a lot of foreshadowing from the beginning because there's a bit right at the beginning where Susan, they're talking about whether they might be in the right, you know, whether they've landed back in the 60s London. And then Susan says, is it selfish that I want us all to stay together? And they're talking about that. So like straight away, it is going hard. There's a lot of really great scene dressing in this. Like you said, the bodies in the river poster. I was like, oh, that's ominous. Why are you throwing bodies in the river? Um, and the the kind of the settings of like the voided signs to show that that's where the, the the rebels have been and the signs from the Daleks that are like all throughout Earth. There's some really great um, set dressing. And there's also right throughout this, and we've, we've talked about this, there's great location work on this and how you would be able to afford to do this on a Doctor Who budget in, in, now, you wouldn't be able to. It would all be CGI. But this is great. They walk past, they, like, they are, are, like, running up the street, um, Jenny, Barbara, and Dortmund. Um, they're running up the street and, like, they go past Trafalgar Square. Mm -hmm. They go past, <laughs> the Daleks are crossing over over Westminster Bridge. Yeah. There's Big Ben in the background in the Palace of Westminster. Like, all of these beautiful, great shots that have become quite iconic. Yeah, there's a lot of London in it. A lot of, like, the first thing I said to you over WhatsApp was, I would love us to do a little... Dalek Invasion of Earth tour of London because there's so much of it covered and so many beautiful locations. As you say, like they go through go through a lot of real real big London icons, and it's so interesting because nowadays in New Who you get London icons, but like one one per seat. Like you might get the London Eye, and you might get like Battersea Power Station, but like not all in the same. Not all in the same yeah. one. Like that's crazy. What I really like about this is, listen, I've talked previously about how I'm not a big fan of big six-parters because I find them a lot mm -hmm. um especially because we the, at the rate that we're consuming them at it can be it can be quite a lot if I had a slower pace of not not consuming a whole story in a week maybe I would find it slightly different to watch but at the rate that we're consuming them I kind of find them a lot and so there were mm -hmm. occasionally characters where 
I was just like, what's this person doing here again? Oh, they're this person. Mm. Oh, oh, oh. There's a lot of characters in this. But what I like is that everything feels like it's got a purpose and everything feels like they're, it's there for a reason, that they're there to drive the story or there to drive the character. Mm. And I like that Ian, Barbara, Susan and the Doctor are all separate for a good 90% of this yeah. story. Like, there's not one, apart from the scene at the beginning and the scene at the end... Even at the scene at the end, like, Barbara and Ian are dashing off into the darkness and being like, well, time for you to make your decision, Susan. But there's very little scenes of, like, the four of them all together apart from at the very start, which I find really interesting and enjoyable from, like, a story perspective, but I also find really interesting thinking about it just now from a kind of, if this is Susan's final story, maybe the point is to kind of show her that she can survive without everybody and she can... Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that because I think you really need to get enough time for Susan to be on her own and be with this new man that she's about to be left with, for you to see that that's because that. So I think um, it's episode three where it suddenly becomes really clear that Susan and David are a thing, and I feel like it was quite random. But then they and but then they start to build it up quite a lot. <laughs> They start to build it up quite a lot. Um, and I think the the way... I think we spoke before, sorry, about um, about how it sort of felt really... Like when we spoke last, we were saying, oh, we can't believe Susan's last story is next week. But I feel like we get a lot of build-up in this story to her leaving, which is, you know, I felt the same way about this story that I did with the Censorites, that I could have just sat and watched the whole thing, bang, 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 all in a row. I felt that every character served a purpose, as you said. There were very little characters that I didn't care about. Like, the side characters were great. The TARDIS team were great. The Daleks and the Rover men, I think, were really well used. Like, we didn't have, like, loads of really slow Dalek scenes or anything like that. I really felt that it was so well-paced. And I think I watched, like, four episodes last night, two episodes this morning, but I could have just sandwiched it all in one go. Like, I genuinely thought that it was a really easy six-parter to watch. I almost felt like it was easier to watch than Planet of Giants, which was three parts, which is so weird. David is raising his eyebrows at me. It's interesting. Interesting you say that. I mean, I, I disagree on that front, but I will agree with you when you say that, like, the pace is really given an amp up. There is no, there's no scene in this where it's just kind of like, with, with the first Dalek story, obviously because it's the first time we're meeting them, and we're trying to understand what they're like, there's a lot of kind of like world building and a lot of trying to understand what the purpose of the Daleks is and who they are and what they what they stand for. But with this, it is six episodes, balls to the wall, there's no... It's all killer, no filler. Um, which is great. It also does mean, however, and I understand the difference between watching it and the way that we watch it, where we're watching it back-to-back episodes in, like, a week versus how it would be in transmission, where you're watching it over six weeks. This, by the way, the final episode of this aired on Boxing Day. I would have been (gasps) an emotional wreck if I'd watched this on Boxing Day. Did it really? Yeah. That's that's one of your fun facts. Can you imagine... (laughs) That's not my fun fact for this week, but... but... so weird, because, like, you know how, as Doctor Who fans, we're always like, oh, I'm going to watch this because it aired on this day. Like, I watched The Unquiet Dead on Christmas Eve because it, it, it set on Christmas Eve. But I don't think I would ever go, yes, it's Boxing Day. I'm going to watch The Dalek Invasion of Earth, part six. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, when it was originally transmission, that like the sixth episode was um, uh, was broadcast on Boxing Day. And I kind of imagine, you can imagine like a post-Christmas kind of watch of Doctor Who and it's it's called quite sad of Susan leaving. It's kind of like, feels like I'm, what you would do in a modern story now, like you know, end a companion story or start a companion story at this kind of, that kind of time. Um, it does, however, mean, like you said, the relationship with David, who, by the way... <gasps> Can we talk about sexy David? Because <laughs> I don't think I've ever swooned <laughs> so hard for anyone in Doctor Who in my life. He is gorgeous. My God, him and Ian Chesterton in the same story. What? I was losing my mind. Hot and dangerous <laughs> if you're one of us then roll with us it's making me delirious like so beautiful so scottish hot. sexy yeah the accent oh, like, yeah i can i can see 
I can see why she fell for him. However, again, I will say, number one, season is meant to be 16. And number two, <laughs> it does feel like because we watched it like back to back, I was kind of like, this is very quick. Yeah. Because you get to episode six and he's like, I want you to marry me. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, 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 baby, whoa. Yeah, so I, whoa, I was thinking about this. Minutes, son. So I was like, there's a part of me that's um a bit like, oh, this is a bit creepy because Susan's only 16. And also for a lot of the episode, she, she the way she reacts to him is quite childish in some ways, I think. Um, but then I was also like, oh, I'm such a sucker for this love story. Look at the way they're kissing and he's so cute and they're so cute together. But I do think that, yeah, it's... it's, it's it, I guess maybe it's more of a 60s thing and like I don't think age gaps of that nature were as sort of wow. frowned upon back then but it is it is slightly creepy but also i love it at the same time we don't really know how old he is but also i immediately just just now thought of like the sound of music and lizel mm. so lizel is 16 yeah um yeah, yeah famously yeah. 16 going on 17 yeah and she's being charmed by this you know beautiful young nazi <laughs> officer um, beautiful young nazi <laughs> but like beautiful nazi uh, but like yeah i, I guess like in you know in eras gone by, it wouldn't have been as weird a thing no. for her to kind of be as... But I was like, when the doctor's like, you're a woman now, and I can't, I have to let you make your own choices, I was just like... Ah! I know, it's, it's so... For love. I know, and I don't want to... It's beautiful, but also part of me is like, you, you don't own her. <laughs> Why See, are you giving her to another man to yeah, take her away? This, this was my it's thoughts. Like, uh, uh, my thoughts were like, this is so yeah. beautiful because she couldn't, she was struggling to make this decision for herself. But then also she doesn't make, get to make the final decision, which is also really heartbreaking that she doesn't make, get to make that decision for herself. Yeah. So she had the agency of sort of taken away from her. But the way that the doctor's doing something so beautiful for someone that he cares about is really lovely. Um, so I think if we look at it through the lens of the time, it's quite beautiful. Um, but... It, yeah, like I just I remember thinking Not these modern woke times. I, I was thinking like, oh, this is like this is heartbreaking and it's beautiful that he wants her to live this life. But God, I really hope that David and Susan get on because if they get f- like two months in and this relationship is a nightmare, she is stuck. <laughs> She's stuck. She's stuck in twenty one sixty four for the rest. Like of she her did life. just meet him. Spoilers and big finish cannon. They're fine and they have a child. It's great. Um, but also. The, the fact that she drops her TARDIS key and just leaves it there and it's just like, right, off I go. I'm like, uh, you... It's crazy. You don't know you're going to like this, man. Because we, will ne- we never know, because, you know, I, I, big finish aside, in the show, she never returns, hasn't returned thus far. Mm. We will never know how she really felt about that. We will never know whether she went back for the TARDIS key. We'll never know what happens to her. And it's so... It, I think it's, you know, it, with New Who or with other versions of Doctor Who, you're like, okay, well, I know that that companion returns or we see them later in this whereas with this like they're really it really is like we know susan doesn't come back uh, which makes it all the harder and the more heartbreaking i want to come back to like future of season but like if this had been if this has been russell c davies too you'd have seen a, a red manicured hand <laughs> picking up the top of the ski and then running away into the night But, right, can I, can I get a shout-out for Barbara for two reasons in this episode? Number one, the, ha- the hair. The hair is on point. Who did her hair? Oh, my God, I was it about to say this. It is a massive bouffant for the entire episode, and it is camp as fuck. She looks so good. But also, can we just talk about how last week we were really sad about, like, Barbara what didn't get to be a badass, and then this week she gets all of the badass moments. That scene. She's so good. That scene in episode six where she is just like pulling out random shit from her arse of history and going, the Horde of Genghis Khan are going to come from the south and then you're going to have this guy come from the west and these people are going to come from the north and they're like, that's what's going to happen, Daleks. What are you going to do, bitch? It's like, it reminded me of like, you know when Rose is kind of like trying oh to take God, on the Daleks. I was about to say that! Yeah! <laughs> when Rose is taking on the Daleks, it's like, I order you from the from the Shadow Proclamation section 15 no, the, and the Mighty Jagger You Jagrafest. mean the Sycorax. You mean the Sycorax? Yes, the Sycorax. That's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. The Daleks, sorry. sorry. And the Daleks. The Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that the scene Daleks. the other day. Um, yeah. 
I I was going to say, it's like that scene that... So there's a scene for maybe those who don't know yet. There's a scene in a 2005 episode Sorry. called The Christmas Invasion where um, Rose kind of stands up to the cigarettes because the doctor's not around. And this was like, yeah, she's quite nervous though and it doesn't really work. And so obviously Barbara's scene where she does this doesn't work either. Like the Daleks don't believe her. But she is so confident. She just goes in there with her history teacher knowledge, pulling all this random stuff out of her head, being like, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, Daleks, and you're going to be fucked and she's so good and also can we talk about her driving a truck through an army of daleks and just right. making them fly so, off everywhere jacqueline king in behind the wheel of a van crushing a dalek while they're shooting at her and this girl in the back's being like no you can't do it and she's like fuck this let's drive someone put because oh you know what i'm gonna do you know what i'm gonna have to do you know what i'm gonna, I'm gonna you have forced me into this position beth axford can i just say I'm one thing before you say yeah. You just said Jacqueline King instead of Jacqueline Hill. <laughs> oh, sorry. Isn't Jacqueline, Jacqueline King Donna's mum? <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline Hill driving. Me both would be camp. Both would be high yeah. camp. Oh, uh, someone at, right. If anyone at Big Hi, if anyone at Big Finish is listening, I need you. If you've got the rights to do it, I need you to get Sylvia and Barbara to meet because I think that would be camptastic. Thank you very much. Um, but. <laughs> I'm, and I'm we like, know I'm, we I'm, know that big Finnish people are listening to this, so come on come on my big Finnish friends make this happen look it happen i also um what was i gonna say i i have been forced into this position by you beth axford Why? i i'm gonna put i'm gonna put the footage of jacqueline hill driving the truck to speed drive by charlie <laughs> why did i force you to that because because you reminded me of the truck scene, oh. and thus I'm putting this on you. So thank you for thank you for making this happen, and I will put it on the Twitter account at some point in the near my future. Cool. But it's just like that scene. There's a point where Barbara um, is trying to do an impression of the Daleks, and rather than do what normal people do, which is like kind of static and high pitched and forceful, she puts her hand in front of her mouth and starts going. Oh, la, la, la. <laughs> I am a dollar. Also, I love how the doctor does it completely normally. The doctor does it completely normally. She does it, yeah, like an underwater Cyberman. Two more things I want to raise. I mean, there's so much I want to raise. Um... Dortmund being the first, like, disabled character in Doctor Who. Yeah. And being a hero and not being, like, a kind of, like, scar-faced type... Yeah. ...horrible, kind of crept in the attic type villain... Yeah. ...is, is amazing. There's also a scene... Um, there's a scene where one of the other guys, I think Tyler maybe, says to him, like, oh, well, you haven't been outside in ages, so you wouldn't know. And then Dortmund's like, oh, yeah, because I'm stuck in this wheelchair. And then he's like, oh, no, I didn't I, I didn't mean it like that, and you know I didn't. But it was so interesting to include that in the script and, like, have him be, even though he's in a wheelchair, have him be this, like, scientist that is creating bombs and being really cool and, like, helping the resistance in such a big way. Like, he's making bombs. Yeah, he's not just been, like, injured and is left in the corner to, like, you know... He's he's a proper part of the story and a proper part of defeating the Daleks and it's really cool to see. Man's out here making bombs <laughs> in the underground shelter. He's I so cool. I wish I also, wish the doctor got to meet him. Uh, oh, that was one sad thing. I was like, they would have got another house on fire. These two geeks in the corner just being like, you're gonna make Dalek bombs. <laughs> <laughs> um, um Can I read you a note that I put um in my notes app? No, Beth, you can't. Okay. Okay, that's the podcast. Um, so, you know, you know these unhinged... So, we haven't even talked about these two unhinged random ladies in the shed yet. But, um, so there's this... The bit... Right, can I, just say, can I just say before we continue? That's you and I. That's me and you. <laughs> You're so right. We're the unhinged women. And also, so my favourite part... So Oranges! Yeah, so this is what I mean. That bit where she um, dobs... Barbara and um, Jenny in, and then she get in return. She gets sugar, and so I wrote in my notes app, "Sugar from the Daleks." Are you sure it's not MSG? <laughs> because yesterday, for anyone that doesn't follow me on Instagram, I um, made a cup of tea for a repairman and put, thought that I'd put sugar in it, 
And then it turns out that it wasn't sugar, it was salty. And so I thought, oh shit, I put salt in it. And then I messaged my friend to be like, why is your sugar and salt not labelled? And then he was like, it's not salt, it's MSG. So I was like, MSG from the Daleks. Just a very umami, umami kind of salty flavoured tea. I'm like, mm, it's unlocked my fifth taste. Mm. Uh, but that scene... I'm so sorry. That scene of the of the two the two women who had been like who were making clothes for the Dalek slaves is you and I to a team. Yeah, that's literally how we function. I just, I... Yeah, they're just like us. <laughs> just kind of like in our little in our little, I've got a mug with the Dalek on it. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know every episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> Um, also, can we talk about how well written this episode is? One of my favourite bits is when there's when um, Susan and David are making out and then the Doctor walks up the stairs and goes, and Susan's cooking fish. Oh. And the Doctor goes, I can see something's cooking. Susan's cooking fish. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, yeah, I think nudge, nudge. that this story is very well written. This for me, was similar to the sense rights in that I really, really thought that the dialogue was written really well. There was a lot of really funny bits. Like, there's a bit where Barbara says, they're like, what do you two do? And then Barbara's like, oh, I can cook. And then they're like, and what do you do? And Susan goes, I eat. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, finally giving some sass. Um, yeah, and the, I just think I, it's written ate. really... Literally, I was going to say she literally ate. Um, and I think that the characters are written really well. I think Jenny's written really well. Like, she is this side character that I love. You know, I think she's so interesting. And also making Jenny such a different type of woman to Barbara and Susan. So there's just, like, three main women yeah. in this story that are all completely different and all doing really amazing things to end this Dalek resistance. Well, Susan's just sort of kissing David. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I think it's written really well. I will say on Jenny, and and, you know... There but for the grace of God go I that, you know, giant pepper pots from space invade my planet and destroy it with a plague by meteorites and then decide to kill the rest of humanity. However, I'm not sure if I was part of an official resistance, if I would be kind of going, there's no point in trying now. And I'm like, oh, my darling, you've not met Barbara. She's not going to stop trying. Oh. Every time that she's like, well, I feel like we should give up now. Barbara's like, no, let's keep going. Yeah. It's like... Someone's not had the vitamin D for a little while. Someone's not had their search for the medication. No, she's just given up. No, Jenny needs a, a cup of tea, a vitamin D, and an eye down. I think she's. I mean, like, do you blame her? Everyone's dying. These Daleks have got the Earth. It's been but going on for a decade, David. But she's so capable in so many of the scenes. She's yeah. like, like you know, building stuff and like going at it and like really kind of like making making her mark. And then just at the end of the end, when she does something, finishes and goes. There's no point now because the Daleks are going to kill us. And we're like, why? Why are well, you saying this, Jenny? I think it's that thing of like seeing how strong she is for the whole story and being like, oh, she, like, and seeing that scene and being like, oh, like, yeah, she is like tired. Like, this has really affected her. And like the, yeah. the scale of the story and the way that it's clearly impacted all of these people and how much you care about all of them is so interesting. Because I, I do really feel like you really get a good sense of all of the characters and how much they're struggling and the whole thing that's been going on for the last 10 years. And I just I just think the scale of it is so huge. Like, it feels like such a Doctor Who epic. Um, and I think it's really mm. good to see Jenny then being like, they're just going to kill us anyway. Because she's gotten so... They've come so far that it's like, can you imagine getting to that point and just being like, fucking hell, now they've chained my neck to the wall. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> right, can I raise one... One thing. Please. I didn't like. Raise something you didn't like. Yeah, go on. What the fuck was the point of Slither? <laughs> Do you know what's so that? funny about the Slither? Is that, like, I feel like I know most classic Who monsters or, I, or I've watched them or I've seen references to them if I don't know them, but I've never fucking heard of this Slither. And I've watched this story before and I still didn't know that the Slither yeah. existed. Who the fuck is this bitch? So <laughs> there's a creature that like apparently skulks around the mines that the Daleks are are, ba are based in in Bedfordshire. Also Bedfordshire is so random. So <laughs> I love it. Um but like there's this creature that like skulks around the Daleks keep gonna keep it as a pet. And to me, what I thought of it what initially was gonna be was like this kind of mutated human, this kind of like thing that was outcast, diseased, like terrifying looking mm. you know, it, there's been a plague, there's been 
you know, the Daleks use radiation quite regularly, so I'm sure that that'll have had some sort of impact on the Earth. Like, I was expecting this weird creature that kind of looks a bit humanoid and has a, a bit uncanny valley. Mm. Um, but no, it just looks like a kind of, like... It looks like... It, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like a stand-up cardboard box that you would put cereal into with, like, a little arm coming out of it, and it would kind of go, And I just was like, what? what is the point of this and who are you and why are you here, my darling? What is the point of you? Although, yeah. now I want a full backstory of to who the Slithers are. <laughs> so I... Come from. Yeah, I just kind of got the impression that it was, like, some sort of mutated Dalek experiment or, you know... But, yeah, I don't really know. Because, yeah, there's not a good explanation. Like, maybe something went wrong with the Robo-Men or something like that, and it's, like... A deform, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. There's not a massive explanation. I thought it looked a bit Dalek mutanty, but um, it is so random. And this is the thing, right? There is so much that happens. You have the Robo forms and the Slither and the Daleks and the introduction of the Black Dalek in all of this. Um, and then you have bits of lore going on with the Daleks. So, you know, the Doctor says that when they first met the Daleks in the last series, that happened millions of years in the future. Then there's all the stuff with David and Susan. Then you've got Ian and Barbara on completely separate journeys who actually don't really speak to each other the entire time. Then you've got all of the side cast. Yeah. And then you've got, like, everything in all the different London locations. They're going back and forth doing, like, massive journeys from London to Bedfordshire. Then in the middle of episode three, there's, like, a mini silent movie in the middle of episode three, which is so fucking great and so experimental and cool and looks amazing. Like, there's so much in this six-parter. And yet... It works. It yeah, all fits it works it so all, well. It all comes together to make like a, re- a strong, coherent story that, like, yeah. actually, again, another one that, that I could be like, right, this is what Doctor Who is. Like, let's sit and watch it for an hour and a half, or however long, however long it went. Yeah. Like I did with Planet of Giants. I feel like, I feel like season two, they're really kind of stepping into. I feel like they've stepped their pussy up. I feel like they've like really kind of like gotten into the the, yeah. the motions of what makes good Doctor Who. Honestly, season two... I mean, we're two stories in and we're nine episodes in and the quality has been insanely good. And also, I know for a fact that I love the next story as well. So I'm like, when are we going to... Like, are we going to hit... A, like, I hope we don't, but like this... Where's our flop? I mean, I think, yeah, I, I can't remember... I can't remember what ones of series two I didn't like when I first watched it. Um, but I... Yeah, I think this series is so good so far. And I would go as far to say... That Dalek Invasion of Earth is one of the best Doctor Who stories of all time. Well, again, like you said, there's a reason that there's a movie made out of it. Yeah, and also there's that. And I watched that in the cinema a couple of years ago when it got re-released. And so I got a lot of... And also I watched it as a kid. So I think I also got a lot of nostalgia towards all of the concepts and the characters and the story from that film as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, it's really... It's really darn good. I found it really sad that Ian and Barbara didn't really get a proper goodbye to Susan because they get in the TARDIS before the Doctor makes the decision. That's really heartbreaking to me because they they had such a close relationship. And one of the last proper conversations that Susan has with Barbara before they get into this story is like that she doesn't want them to be split up and she doesn't really speak to Barbara for really at all in the story because they're not together. So they don't get a goodbye. And that's one of the most devastating things to me about this. And maybe that's, a good thing like maybe it's good that this this goodbye devastates you because it's sort of like Ian and Barbara don't get to say goodbye and Susan doesn't have a choice and the doctor just leaves her there but it is horrible that she's grown so close to Ian and Barbara Mm -hmm. they were her teachers before this as well and she just doesn't there's no there's not even like they don't know they don't know she's she's not coming up on board the TARDIS it's just really sad I haven't watched beyond this at all um, well, I've watched later seasons of Doctor Who, but of the, at this particular point in time, I don't know what whether they're going to reference her, whether there's going to be stuff that I don't. And don't tell me whether they do, um, because I want it to be again. I want my reactions to be natural and to come come naturally. But like, I I just find it interesting that, like you said, they don't get a proper goodbye with her, and. I would be intrigued to see whether she gets brought up again, especially because next episode we meet Vicky, who is like her in some ways and is different in other ways. And yeah. I, I, I'm just going to be really intrigued as to like what her legacy is and what 
what that feels like on board the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. If it was a completely new TARDIS team, if it was like someone who's never met her before, I'd be like, great, we don't need to reference her ever again. But because you've still got Barbara and Susan there, Barbara and Susan, Barbara and Ian, um, Barbara and Ian there for the foreseeable, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, how are they going to react when they've essentially lost like a friend, like a surrogate child in some ways? It's kind of like, I'll be interested to see. Yeah, I think it also made me like really realise like, oh, this TARDIS team are not, they're not here for very long. Like, we don't have that much longer left with Ian and Barbara either. And I yeah. I think they might genuinely be my favourite companions and or, or like, some of my favourite companions. And I and I really hope that I still love this the first Doctor's era as much when they leave. Because I've seen lots of bits and bobs from the first Doctor's era from the other seasons, but I don't think I love any of the companion teams as much as I love when Ian and Barbara are there. And I'm just... I was thinking about it and I was like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a mess when they leave. Can I ask... If you were to bring back Susan, what would you do? So, like, we, we've, we've touched on briefly, in the expanded universe of Doctor Who, so, you know, not just the TV show, but audio dramas and books and comics, etc. Susan's come back, and there have been various stories that have been told with her. Um, yeah. One of the things, that, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, is that in one, one timeline, she has... Uh, she and David stay together. She has a child called Alex, who's the Doctor's grandson. And Alex, the Doctor, and Susan do travel at some point. Um, so, but if you were excluding all of that, just pretending that none of that has happened, as most people will not have experienced, normal people, and myself, um, what would you do with Susan? Like, what would how, would you bring her oh, back? Would you what would you what would you do with her? I mean. I think that's such a hard question because it it depends what form of media. Like, if you're saying if I was to bring her back in the show, I think that it's one of the biggest question marks over Doctor Who or one of the biggest things that fans have always wanted and waited for is Susan to return. It's one of the oldest things, you know, one of the oldest characters, one of the oldest concepts of Doctor Who is, like, Susan's existence. And I think people have wanted her back for anniversaries. Like, does Susan come back in The Five Doctors? Am I making that up? Yes. So she's in. So she does come back. So she does in, come back for the five doctors. She's in five doctors. Um, and I think she's back in the in the East Enders Christmas special. Interventions in time. Need special. What I, what I was saying earlier is that like we know that she never properly properly comes back and that's it for her because for some reason like I've seen the five doctors quite a few times and I don't ever really think of her as the same Susan somehow like I know it is but do you know what I mean it's not really a continuation of her story. I don't think, from what I can remember. I really don't know what I would do because I think it would be one of those things that would be so difficult to get right because fans have wanted it for, like, 60 years. Um, And really, it would be quite easy to just regenerate Susan into any actress and it not be Carol Ann Ford. But I think it's really sad that we haven't seen her return as Carol Ann Ford since, you know, the 80s. Um... So I really don't know what I would do with her. I think I would want just want to sort of maybe see who she became because we only know her as such a young child. I would like to see what became of Susan and where she went after this adventure. And like maybe one way of doing it is somehow, you know, with the tales from the TARDIS thing, maybe having her in the memory TARDIS, talking about her life, like maybe something like that would work. But I honestly don't know. It's such a big question. What would you do? Um, I have two paths. I have two paths that I think I would go down. Mm. Number one, if they do it, if they were going to do it, I would bring back Caroline Ford. Yeah. And I would have her in a couple of episodes, not necessarily concurrently, but um, like a finale here, mm-hmm. another finale in the future. Yeah. And then a regeneration story where she gets to regenerate and like has a proper closing of that chapter. Mm. Because, again, it's really odd for a Time Lord character in Doctor Who to have continuously been played by the same person for years and years and years. Like, there's no other, like, Susan 2. There's no Susan 4. Yeah. You know, it's just Susan as Caroline Ford. And I think it'd be quite nice for Caroline Ford to have, like, a kind of, this is where it stops. This is where the kind of, like, your time comes and I think Mm. that'd be really nice to have that kind of closing chapter on that era of what Susan could be and then maybe she kind of comes back as like a in a different different, as a different actor I I would like to have somebody I would like the person who plays Susan if they regenerated her to be cast in an unusual way or 
we don't have very we don't have very many um middle-aged and older women in the kind of we do have a lot of middle-aged and older women in the doctor who universe but like do you know what i mean yeah like uh just to see the doctor well, has never been has never regenerated into an older woman yeah and also she would have she was a child in the 60s so even by time law standards like if we see her now she's got like you know it would be very easy to just be like this is adult susan and her be older than 30 do you know what i mean um yeah, yeah. it's an interesting I kind of, one i would kind of like that because it is it's a thing the thing that i really really like for doctor who actually in general is like i would like the doctor i want my ideal next doctor is a woman over the age of 50. Yeah. Personally, to me. Yeah. Um, so I would like to kind of have a character that kind of continues in that kind of similar age range variation. Um, alternatively, the other route that I thought is just don't bring her back. And I, that's controversial, I think, for Doctor Who fans. Like, no. Oh my God, why would you not want to yeah. bring her back? There's so much, so much story potential. I just think, if you're trying to tell this story now, with this audience that you have with Doctor Who now, yes, you can pull stuff from the past. Yes, you can make, like, little references here and there and bring back characters. As we saw with, like, the Giggle, there's, like, ways that you can do 60s characters and bring them back and make them relevant to a modern audience. I just think there's something quite satisfying and quite tantalising about the concept of the unknown and the concept of just, like, not ever touching something and leaving it be. Yeah. And I think Susan's one of those things I would personally, if I was ever in charge of Doctor Who, which I will never be, I would just leave her be. I would yeah. just just leave that as, like, a this nice thing that you can always be like, but what would happen if this happened? What yeah. What happened to Susan here? Yeah. I just don't, just don't, I just don't it, think there's opinion. a way to do it right now. Like, it's been so long. I just think it... I just... Like yeah. you say, I think it's best left alone. I think, you know, I wouldn't say no to, like, maybe a short story, like, maybe set directly after Dark Invasion of Earth, where there's something else that David and Susan have to battle against. Because, you know, like, I'm not I'm not adverse to seeing where she went straight away and what adventures she got up to on Earth in the immediate aftermath. But, yeah, I, I, I'm I not really the type of person that's like, oh, I, I really want her to return. Like, I would have loved it if she returned for the 50th or 60th, but like, I th- feel like the, the, the ship has sort of sailed now. If 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 it had been if she had been um, brought back by Russell in the first couple of seasons, I think it would have been, I think it would have been quite something. I think it might have been like, oh, here's this big moment that you can have, or and like moments like the fifty or sixtieth anniversaries where you can kind of have a sit up moment and be like, this is where you should be paying attention. I agree. I think the ship sailed. I don't think we talked about how I don't think we talked about how sexy David is. <laughs> we did. God. We did talk Sorry. About we did, but he's so hot. <laughs> and and I'm ovulating, so it's so much worse. <laughs> oh, he's so I love him. Um, I love you, David Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> We should have done... One of our segments should have been Hottie of the Week. Oh, it should have been Hottie of the Hottie Week. Hottie of the Story. Do we introduce that well, now? We need to introduce that. Oh, my goodness, another segment. Yeah, can we introduce Hottie of the Week? <laughs> I think people will be happy that we would add Hottie of the Week. And we can't pick Ian Chesterton every week, even though we want to. Even though we want to. But what happens if it's a story where there's, like, so oh, few yeah. actual extra casts? It's just, like, we can't pick a sexy Zarby. I don't know about you, but I could pick a sexy zombie. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we just do hottie of the week as and when when we when we find some hot. Hottie of the week, this ant. <laughs> hottie of the week, the big ass earthworm <laughs> from Planet of Giants. <laughs> hottie of the week, the sensorite that looks the same as all the other sensorites. <laughs> So, well, should we go on to our stars then? Because I'm going to get sad if we continue talking okay. about Susan. Because I, I, I'm also... My tablets are really kicking in. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm devastated that <laughs> she's gone. Pills. I'm devastated that she's gone, but I have had my pills. So we, <laughs> we must... Uh, how many... <laughs> how many stars would you give how this, many pills? David? Four. <laughs> Three, actually. 
You know what? Given that the only thing that I didn't like was a sliver, fuck it, I'm going to say five. I'm going to say five too. Great. Like, I have, I, I have zero... I've, I've almost zero complaints about this story. I think it is spectacular on various levels. I think the settings are great. I think the characters are fantastic. I think the storyline's wonderful. This is, this is peak Doctor Who to me. Yeah. I literally can't think of a single thing that I did not like at all. I like it all worked everything worked perfectly for me. I loved it. I have no no notes. Five out of five. What's your Beth, what's your fun fact? My fun fact um is a really nice one. So on. I my fun fact is that Jenny, our favourite woman of the story, that's not Barbara, um, she was apparently originally supposed to be Susan's replacement. Which I thought was crazy because, like, normally I sort of heard stuff like this before. Like, I think there's um there's a companion in eighties Doctor Who that was supposed to be the replacement, but then it turned out that it wasn't. And do you know what I mean? So I've heard of these mm. things before, but I've never heard of this. So I was really intrigued at that because she's so well. She is like she's given such a personality that it kind of makes sense. She's she's got enough of a um uh chutzpah and like carving out of. Uh, character that I could fully, fully imagine her like becoming, yeah, becoming a becoming a companion. It's sad that it didn't work out. I think it didn't work out yeah. because they weren't sure about Doctor Who's. They weren't sure about Doctor Who's future, so they, mm. yeah, they they it didn't pan out. Yeah, so that's my fact. What's your fact, David? Uh, my fact throughout the story, we see these like really big signs that say the word vetoed, and it's meant to be like part of the resistance codes um that's like telling people that oh this is safe or this is not safe you can't stay here the daleks will find you um apparently it's a bit of an in joke from the production designers so apparently if sets were too ambitious and too big for the budget then the designs would be stamped with the word vetoed on them and given back and be told right rethink this because it's too much that's really funny that's so interesting because i've i've seen the forbidden to dump bodies poster and the vetoed stuff like it you know people use that a lot it's on merch it's in the time fracture and things like that so i've seen those a lot but i didn't know that about the vetoed thing so that's really that's really interesting so they were like we're gonna do it a sneaky a sneaky little snide reference (laughs) (laughs) for the fact that bbc won't pay us enough Great. I like those two facts. We've done good. Who is your background character of the week, Beth? My background character of the week. <laughs> there's a scene in, like, I think episode two, one of the beginning episodes, where there's a load of people sort of lined up. It's like Dalek prisoners are lined up and then the robo-men, like, hit them around the head. And there's a woman that looks like she's in a really bad Rose Tyler cosplay and she gets, <laughs> she gets like, knocked out by one of the robo-men. And I just remember thinking, you look like you're wearing really bad Rose Tyler wig and, like, leather jacket and jeans. And so she's stuck in my head for, like, the rest of the story. I was like, who was that random Rose Tyler cosplayer? So she's my background character. She doesn't speak. She just gets whacked around the face. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Rubbish Rose Tyler cosplayer. What's your background character of the week, David? I decided that my background character of the week is the Dalek that gets held up at the end of the scene of the story that is like being paraded around when they like <laughs> <laughs> So like when they exit the mine, like you can see it when they're in the mine and they're like have overthrown yeah, it. But then when, like, they, the but when they exit the mine and there's like lots and lots of people, it's like a oh, really great crowd shot, and then there's this random Dalek that is just like being bounced around by someone. <laughs> I'm just like, yes. That is me. That is a vibe. Yeah. Do you know what? I hope that the Rose Tyler cosplayer and the Dalek are made friends. I and hope so. they can be the background characters of the week. We can text each <laughs> other. They can be pals. They can go for scones. Should we, should we pick our song of the story, David? <laughs> Do you want to go first? Do you want to explain what song of the story is before you I, tell me? I think I might as well explain what song of the story is because um, I think both of us have failed on it this week. Um, so what we do is we choose a song that matches up with the vibe, the energy, or a theme that runs through the story. And we put it into a playlist. And you can find the playlist in our link tree and all the links to that are in our bio. Um, not in our bio. And all the links for this are in the description for the episode. I, I've struggled with this one, not going to lie. Um, yeah. I <laughs> I actually am still trying to think as to what it might be. Do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. So I found this really, really difficult and it wasn't until like 20 minutes before the podcast that I could even think of anything because I think the story is, there's so many themes 
that I couldn't that I couldn't think of anything that matched the energy. But I did think of a song that really reminds me of Susan and Susan's energy in this story. So I picked Oh What a World by Casey Musgraves, which is kind mm. of like a love song, but she's basically she made, she's basically talking about the earth, the world, and she's talking about how she doesn't want to leave because it's magical and there are amazing things on the earth and there's this amazing man on the earth that she loves. So, like, the song for me really encapsulates, like, Susan's, like, whole thing throughout the story, which is like, wow, I love this place. I could see myself settled here. Like, that's what this kind of song really encapsulates and it's a really nice love song. It's really be- it's just a really beautiful song. So, like for me, that. I chose a Casey Musgrove song and I think it works really well for Susan's, you know, coming to this planet that she has lived on before, but in a different time. And it's now like, no, I, I, I don't... Like, the lyrics literally say, oh, what a world, I don't want to leave. There's all kinds of magic, it's hard to believe. I like that. So, yeah. I, I, really I like that. Yeah, that's my song of the story. I'm quite... Yeah, I like that one a lot. I like that. I really like that one. Um, so, three songs have just come to me, really randomly. Three? Three. Okay, go on then. Um, <laughs> let's go reverse order as to which I think would be most popular. Losing You by Flow. Um, because it's about losing someone. Okay, I don't know. That. Losing you by Solange, yeah. which is uh, also okay. about losing romantic interest. But the number one <laughs> is Goodbye by the Spice Girls. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. So I was going to go for like something really obvious like that. And then I was like, no, I just think that like the lyrics of the Casey Musgrove song really matched the... <laughs> sorry, sorry. This, like... I didn't mean that offensively. This casual shade of, like... Well, I was going to go for something really obvious like that, but I decided to go for a case of Musgraves <laughs> on instead. Hi, I'm Beth Axford, and I was going to go for something really <laughs> obvious, like Goodbye to My Spice Girls, um, but I decided not to because I'm, like, really clever. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I just... No, because I, I, I was originally going to pick Bigger Than The Whole Sky by Taylor Swift, and then I was like, we can't have another Taylor Swift no, song. What do you treat we just can't. Um, I, re- I really love that Katie Musgrove song, though. Yeah, I love that song, too. I love that whole album, by the way. It's such a good album. Um, yes. Let's add it. Let's add it. Okay, so we're going for, we're going for my song. Yay! Yay! Let's talk about our quote of the week. Um, I've only got one. Have you got one? You go, you, go on, go. You, yeah, I've got, I've only got one. Uh, okay, mine is when the Daleks are trying to take control of the Roma men in a different way, and they say, testing oral control. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear that. I don't remember hearing that. That is, that is funny. My other favourite one this... That is funny. My other favourite one this week was... Um, no, wait. Go, go on. Can, go I, on. can I say mine first? Go on, go on. In case it's the same, because I'm worried. Okay, so mine is, like, right at the beginning of, I think, episode five or six, uh-huh. where Ian, Ian and the bloke, I think... Is it Larry? No, I don't know. One of the blokes, they're going down the mine shaft in the bucket thing. And then they just, there's just like no context, no other speech. And then he just goes, still no sign of the bottom. <laughs> and because, because Twitter has broken my be- brain, LGBT Twitter has broken my brain. I just thought I had to go completely out you of thought, context. You thought of the Who La La boys. <laughs> It's so great that they made an appearance in this episode, finally. After after oh. after weeks, it's really nice of them to make an appearance. <laughs> I, I actually I actually prefer yours though, I think. Thank you. Um my other my other alternative, which isn't as funny, but um uh I think what what is it? Um oh. Wait till you see what they've done to Bedford. <laughs> It's just like me when I went to Bedford Who Con in two thousand and nineteen, and that bloke pause. who played the. <laughs> Sorry, pause. We can't. We're not stuffing. We're not stuffing this podcast until you have told me everything about Bedford Who Con. That, so, so what I was gonna say was, I yeah, I went to Bedford Who Con in twenty nineteen, and there was an actor. I think it was. I don't want to say who because I can't remember precisely who, but it was a classic who actor who referred to Jodie's doctor as the woman doctor and, and wouldn't accept that a female doctor was happening and wouldn't say her name and was so bigoted that Caroline Ford basically like had a go at him on stage and it was it was brilliant to witness. Um, and lovely to see... Didn't really lovely to see Caroline Ford back in Bedford after all these years. And I met her. that I met Caroline Ford that day. 
And that what? was the only, that's the first, that's the only time I ever met Karen Sorry. Ford. But I don't actually think I got a picture with her. Beth, we've been talking about Susan f- for the last oh, 10 weeks or more. And this is the first time you're going, yeah, I met Karen Ford. Yeah, it, it was, I completely forgot about it. But yeah, I met Karen Ann Ford at Bedford Who Connor. She was very reserved and like, she's very, you know, she was so lovely. And I don't even think I have a picture with her. I think it was over an autograph table or something. Like, I think I just spoke to her. Um, but you know, it's God, like, let me see if I can find it's it. It's like a new video of Billy Piper that's emerged this week of, of her getting confused about Doctor Who content. <laughs> I, I love that these actors who really want to be known for other things, apart from just being in Doctor Who, find themselves constantly just being remembered for the fact that they're in Doctor Who. And it started with Jenna Coleman, and it's my favourite video of recent times of her going, like, someone asked her a really, like, long, yeah. complicated question about Clara, and she goes, well, you're a Doctor Who fan, then, are you? you're a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> it's like, yes, um, we all know on, that I'm you're sure. in, we all know you're in Neil Gaiman's new show, The Sandman, and we will respect you for that, but you're still our Clara. <laughs> Oh my god, look, I don't remember this, but I saw a sensor right while what, I was at What are you showing me? What are you showing me? <laughs> that's that's someone's granddad wrinkled bollocks. That's not a sensor right. It's really okay, I'm really upset because I don't have a photo with Caroline Ford, but, but I have photos do. of her on stage. And you do have um, sensor right bollocks on your phone. And I have a weird sense right head on my... What a day. But it, I, I think that I felt like I was on drugs that day. It was quite the I feel like we're experience. on drugs in this episode. <laughs> this is, normally I aim for less than 50 minutes. Out for 2024 in my list of ins and outs of 2024 were podcasts that were over 50 minutes. You and I have created a monster. Oh, okay. Well, it's a very, very, very big... In, it's a very big story with a lot of it's important chunky. shit that happens in it. it so maybe this one could just yeah. be a bit longer. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a chunky boy, it's this chunky so, boy. story. Should we thank the people what we've got to thank? Oh, we should thank the people what we've got to thank. So we'd like to say... Um, we'd like to say thank you, first of all, actually this week we're going to say thank you to um, the Hula La Boys for producing a um, podcast that we don't listen to and it's awful. Uh, second of all, we're going to say thank you to... <laughs> we're going to say thank you to... Um, we hate the Hula La Boys. Um, we are going to say thank you to the gorgeous, fantastic, brilliant, wonderful, talented Hayden Wynn for making our music. It is great. It bangs. Thank you, it Hayden. Slaps. It It's a tit slapper. It's not It's not up there with the drums of the tit slapping like variety, <laughs> but it makes my tit slap in a different way. <laughs> it's not the, the silent movie of episode three of The Dalek Invasion of Earth, we- but it's, uh, <laughs> it's certainly a, a, a jam. Hayden, when we inevitably ask you to like rescore this theme for like, 70s Doctor Who or 80s Doctor Who, we we will provide the, the drums as a, as a kind of like, could we sample this somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> and we would also like to thank Reese Connolly for his amazing logo and artwork that he has provided to us. Please go and hire him for all of your things. We love you, Reese. See you soon, babe. Is that it? David? I love, it. I love how you were saying that like they're, they're on the end of the phone. Like, see, see, five. Oh, how am I falling? Um, yeah. Well, they are. If, if, I hope Reese actually listens to this so that he hears that. <laughs> we, we, will, we will say, on that note, we will say goodbye and get ready for the rescue, which is only two parts. I don't know how I'm going to cope with only 50 minutes of Doctor Who this week. <laughs> the, um, the rescue, an accurate story about me trying to salvage my mental health. Uh, we'll see you <laughs> next week if we've got a breakdown by that point. <laughs> see you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.